Hello, and welcome to the Horizon Podcast, where we dive deep into the minds of extraordinary professionals, uncovering the stories, inspiration, and wisdom that have shaped their careers. I'm your host, David Lovejoy, and I'm thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Today's topic is attracting and retaining talent in tumultuous times. My guest is Adam McLeod, the brilliant market manager for Lucid Motors, a California-based luxury electric car manufacturer. Adam also has extensive experience at Apple and in HR capacity. I'll now let Adam share a bit about his background in his own words. Uh, absolutely, David. Thank you. Uh, my name is Adam McLeod. Uh, I am a market sales manager with Lucid Motors Canada. I have the privilege of being the very first uh, Canadian employee uh, in Lucid. Uh, for those folks who may not know, uh, Lucid is an American car company based in California. We make the longest range, fastest charging electric car in the world. I am a lifelong learner looking forward to sharing my success. Uh, before Lucid, I had a, uh, a pretty long career. I was working with Apple uh, for, for the better part of 10 years in a variety of different roles. Uh, I was in human resources for a little bit. I was in talent recruitment. Uh, and a lot of my time, most of my time, I should say, uh, was supporting our enterprise sales team, uh, B2B sales, uh, and uh, kind of integrating Apple solutions into a corporate setting. So I left the most stable job at Apple I've had in a long time uh, for the startup world in automotive. And uh, I have not been able to look back because uh, there is something really exciting about feeling like an entrepreneur um, uh, and, and building a business from the ground up. Well, thank you for sharing that. There's a couple of questions that just came to mind uh, listening to, to that background. Um, one is sales and one is the pivot from Apple. Um, I guess uh, I'll start backwards, like more recent. Uh, what, what caused that pivot from, uh, it sounded like you liked your time at Apple. Uh, what, what led to the change there? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. I wasn't looking for a new job. Uh, you know, Apple does a really great job uh, th th of a lot of different things. And they are the most reputable brand in the world for a reason. They have really low employee turnover for a reason. I was quite happy. I 10 years of my life, I traveled the world. I opened up new stores in a variety of different uh, countries. Even here in, in Greater Vancouver, I uh, did a lot of different roles in a variety of different retail locations. And then, of course, as I mentioned, uh, a lot of B2B work. I was quite happy. I received a message on LinkedIn. Here's the value of LinkedIn uh, from a recruiter. Uh, just a cold call, head, head you know, um, headhunting, saying, hey, are you interested in talking about a, a possible role leading our Canadian sales team? You'd be the first employee for Lucid. And I had no idea what Lucid was. I am a car guy. I love technology. I love cars. Um, but at that time, I had no idea what Lucid was. But I, I am at a point in my life where I said, "Yeah, okay, let's have a let's have a chat, see where it goes." And after that first call, I got really excited. I learned more about the company, and then, of course, as it always happens, one meeting led to another, to another, to another, and suddenly I found myself on a Zoom call uh, with the senior VP of Sales, uh, who actually, interestingly enough, invented the Tesla direct to consumer sales model many many years ago. Uh, and she had come over to Lucid. When I got the job, uh, I had to have a really serious conversation with my family and say, am I going to do this? Um, and I think it's it's what I needed. I needed to feel that entrepreneurial spirit, being employee number one in a country. In a country. I knew that I was going to be exposed to things I'd never been exposed to before, stepping out of my comfort zone. And yeah, I, like I said, I haven't really looked back. It's um, It's been an amazing journey. I've learned a lot. It has been an education for sure. The good things, the bad things, the the challenging things, the, the, the new bits about the automotive industry, 
um, that I was really kind of blind to before. Um, but it's uh, it's been a great experience for so far. Go, looking at sales, um, I was talking to a member of our cohort in the Engaged Leadership Program with the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, um, and sales is kind of a loaded word, um, I, I find. I was wondering, uh, well, two-part question, I guess. One, do you also uh, see it as yeah. a loaded word? And second, I actually see it as something that you need, doctors need salesmanship in order to get uh, resources, um, engineers, change managers, uh, it's, it's everywhere. And uh, in, your, in your background in, in sales, mm -hmm. would you agree or disagree? And if so, why? Yeah, that's a great question, David. Um, I think sales, yeah, it's a loaded word in some circles. It's a dirty word. You don't want to say that. Um, you don't want to outwardly come out and say that, you know, we're trying to sell something. Um, but the truth is, you know, and I think we learned this in business school, uh, everyone learns it is everything is sales, as you, as you mentioned. Um, you know, we're constantly as, as uh, professionals, as just individuals, we're constantly trying to show value and get buy-in for anything for ourselves. You know, you go on a date with somebody, that's exactly what you're trying to do. Um, you're right. Doctors uh, are, are salespeople. Um, you know, they need to get those partnerships that, you know, especially they're running a business in a lot of cases. Um, everything is business. It's another way of, of looking at it. Um, I, I do think that sales is a bit of a loaded word. And it, as I mentioned, in some circles, it's definitely a taboo word. Uh, I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not proud of it, but there have been definitely times when I have, I introduced myself as the market sales manager for Lucid. And there are some times when I introduce myself as the market manager for Lucid. I forget a, a few seconds ago what I introduced myself as. Um, but uh, that's intentional um, because depending on the audience that you're speaking to, uh, there may be a stigma attached to somebody trying to sell uh, some somebody something. I was curious too, uh, it seemed like Apple having that brand communicated a lot on your resume, which led to the recruiter reaching out to you. But for ambitious entrepreneurs out there that would like to be part of uh, a company like Lucid. Is there anything looking back that you might recommend if they aren't, if they don't have that cachet on the resume of like a Google or Apple uh, logo? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it, it all depends on uh, what part of the business somebody is, is, is interested in joining or what, the, what they're passionate about. Um, yes, you know, having Apple or Google or Facebook or Tesla, these big tech companies on your resume, even if it's a one year, two year, three year stint, um, those are things that, that are appealing. It's the, it's the curb appeal when somebody clicks on, on, on your profile or they see your resume in a, in a pile. Um, I think that the big thing, what I look for, um, when we're building our team, whether it's here in Canada or I've actually supported recruiting across the U S as well whether it's we're recruiting for uh, frontline sales jobs or service team members or delivery team members or operational folks, or, you know, even uh, various functions at our headquarters down in California, we, we look for movement. We look for uh, kind of a, a diversified portfolio, let's say, you know, if you, if you've worked for one company for even a year or two years or three years, what, what's that upward mobility looking like? Are you, uh, have you put yourself forward for career experiences? Have you done a little bit of traveling? Have you uh, a piloted or spearheaded projects? Are there special things um, that you've done? Um, and actually one of the best pieces of advice uh, that I got uh, a little while back 
was uh, from a from a mentor of mine who said, "You really should uh, have uh, all employees. You should, as a leader, you should encourage all of your employees to keep an updated copy of their resume as their desktop wallpaper." Uh, and and every time they go into um, uh, every time they 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 take on a new project, they do something different. They do something maybe they've never done before. We should always think update your resume, um, looking for that next thing, that promotion. Maybe it's internally or that pivot to a to a new um, uh, a new venture externally. And I I love that. And I kind of I I try to bring that to my own leadership. Uh, and I've definitely tried to try to kind of influence that in our our culture here at Lucent. I like that. You touched on uh, mentorship, mm-hmm. and I've I've found that that's uh, vital. Um, and I I think you you hinted at having more than one, which I also think is uh, a great idea. I was, I was curious if you could talk a, at all about your mentorship, uh, your relationship with your mentors, and your thinking about forming these relationships. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a good question. And mentorship, I, I I'll, full transparency, is something that actually came to me quite late in my career. You know, I had a I had a had a long career in in kind of customer facing retail before I was working at Apple. I was a regional manager for a shoe store, and I had quite a lot of success. And you know, I'm, I there are some things that that I've been able to polish, some skills that I've been able to um, to, to sharpen. Mentorship kind of came naturally. I saw people. It was kind of this moment where I think I was at Starbucks. Yeah, it was a Starbucks, and I was seeing all these kind of two person conversations happening at the Starbucks, and I'm like, what are these relationships? I started thinking, you know, it's, it's, it was downtown Vancouver. It's in the business district, the Starbucks location. I'm thinking, okay, are these business meetings or these uh, friends or these couples? I started thinking, well, no, these are just maybe colleagues having coffee. It's having a conversation like you and I are having right now. And this is a light bulb went off for me. And I started thinking, how can I get involved in this? How can I, do I have somebody that I can have coffee with? Can I, can I, is that going to be weird? You know, can I, and then once I took that first step and I actually reached out to a former, um, a former uh, manager of mine uh, who I, in a, in a previous life that I had, I had worked for, I said, Hey, you're, you're coming to Vancouver. Let's go out for dinner. And she said, of course, let's do that. And we had an amazing conversation and she instilled some wisdom and I asked her for some advice and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't clinical or prescriptive. It was just two people who used to work together having dinner. Um, and I had such a great experience from that, from that one dinner that I started making it a regular thing to stay in touch with people. Yeah. LinkedIn's great. And social media is, is wonderful to stay in touch, but there really is no substitute for, uh, actually sitting down with somebody and having a conversation and keeping those connections. Um, they, there's such a richness to that. And I think, you know, from our, our, our time together at the engaged leadership program with the greater Vancouver board of trade, we see that, uh, you know, that we're having these round table conversations with these people that we've never met. They're yeah. complete strangers, but they're business leaders in their own right. And there's always these little mm-hmm. nuggets of wisdom that they share. Maybe not the whole thing, um, but there's these little nuggets of wisdom. And if we can, if we can cultivate those, that's what's all going to make us better business leaders, uh, better entrepreneurs, better influencers as, as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm kind of uh, 
taken this digital marketing um, class, I guess you could call it, it's more like an exercise, where uh, you look at um, people you admire, you look at their tweets or whatever platform you look at them on, um, and you, you take your favorite one, and then you chew on it, so to speak. And uh, the, the instructor is saying there's 10 years of wisdom in that tweet or, um, you know, again, whatever platform you're on uh, in that message, because uh, you take it for granted, like, oh, those are just words. But no, there's a lot behind that. And if you can kind of unpack that, um, like you're mentioning, the, the little nuggets of wisdom that these roundtables uh, uh, have, I think that um, that's a way to facilitate growth as well. Completely agree. Um, I'd like to pivot back to uh, what you said about being employee number one uh, with with uh, Lucid. What, in your opinion, your experience, what unique challenges does the tech or automotive sector face in recruiting and retaining top talent compared to other industries? If you can speak to that at all. Yeah, I I, um, I think the technology and automotive sector is it's it's kind of, it's very hot right now. Um, you know, everyone wants to, to get involved and I experienced this at Apple and I definitely experienced this at Lucid. Um, companies that have, and it's the most important thing to have a great product, uh, companies that, that have really, you know, refined, uh, put the R and D in to create an amazing product. And now they're at the point of, Hey, we need to share this product with the world and we need to distribute this. Um, the, the, the challenges that we have um, in the automotive world and the technology world is uh, I, I would, I'm, I'm going to, this is a dissenting view here, but I, I I'm going to say it's not about talent. It's about risk tolerance. So I, I believe that when we, when we bring people into an organization, there's always an element of risk. Uh, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm on LinkedIn all the time and I see these memes and these posts about, uh, uh, people saying, you know, in, in the tech world, we're recruiting a job and we need for, for a role and we need a minimum of 10 years experience with this particular technology. But the particular technology has only existed for five years. And, <laughs> uh, and, and so what we need to trick question, it's a trick question. Exactly. Um, and so I, I think, and, and my philosophy when I'm recruiting is let's recruit for a certain key, uh, certain key, uh, factors, uh, you know, in, in, in sales and, and delivery, you know, in, in my area of the business, I'm looking for charisma. I'm looking for, uh, for passion. I'm looking for kindness and, uh, gusto and, you know, all those kind of un, in, intangible things. I can teach somebody about the car in the same way that when I worked at Apple, it's like, we can bring people in and I can teach you about technology, about a computer, about an iPhone, about an iPad. Um, that's the easy part, being kind to people, being patient with people, understanding, uh, talking about the, the different value propositions of how to, how to actually sell. Um, that's the harder stuff to teach. And so we, we need to hire for, for, um, for character. Uh, and unfortunately I think in the tech world, there is an assumption on both sides, both the recruiter and the, the, the candidate that there needs to be a, a very firm basis of technical understanding. Um, and I, I, I like to take the, again, the dissenting view that this is about employers taking a risk on, on people who maybe are 70% of the way there um, and being able to fill in, fill in the rest uh, with through, through training, through motivation, through on the job uh, working. Uh, th- that's, that's my view. And, and you know, it, it's worked fairly well for us uh, so far. Um, in being able to build our, our Canadian sales and service teams, uh, but then also all of our teams across the U.S. as well. Happy to hear it. 
Have you ever put out like a, a profile or a, a, a job listing saying looking for gusto and just leaving it at that and seeing what comes in your door? <laughs> uh, no, I have not. But I, you know, I, I, I am a big, <laughs> I am a big uh, uh, believer of, of first impressions and, and, you know, I, I like to, I, I like to do things off the cuff. And so, you know, I, th I think a, a lot of, a lot of recruiting right now, and this is kind of digging back into my time at Apple, a lot of recruiting is very heavily politicized and it's like, it's very formulaic and we need to, you know, follow our, our DEI structure. And that's important. I'm not saying that's not important, but ultimately I think the right thing is, is fit and feel. Uh, and, and, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer of, I want to meet somebody in person. I want to, I want to pick up the phone and call them and see how their reaction is getting a random phone call from some, from a job that they applied to. Um, uh, and then of course we put them in the, the proper process, but if we can get those, uh, if we can get those early indicators of, is this somebody going to be somebody who, you know, has that, has that drive, has that ambition, has that ability to deal with ambiguity perhaps, um, uh, it's usually a predictor of, of success. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, moving forward the clock a little bit, they're in the door, they're on your team. Uh, how do you make sure they stay motivated and engaged in their work, particularly given the rapid pace of change in the electric car industry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to plug my, my absolute favorite author. Um, and I know it's probably a little cliche at this point. Um, but I am a, a firm, uh, staunch follower of Simon Sinek and, okay. uh, the, um, the, the why, uh, yeah. so for, for him, the golden circle, all of his books about uh, the art of leadership, all of these things, um, uh, leaders eat last. He's got a number of different books out and, uh, and, and talks and, and, and speeches. Um, and I am a firm believer that, uh, how you motivate people is to give them the mission. Uh, and, and not the mission for the moment, not the mission for today, not the nuts and bolts of, okay, you need to use Salesforce for this, or, you know, here's how you fix a, 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 a this particular piece of a, of a vehicle. Um, but the big picture mission, what are we doing? What, why are we doing this? That, that matters. Um, and so to keep people motivated, uh, everything always goes back to the why. Uh, and so I try and it, it, with great difficulty sometimes uh, because life happens and, and operational bits pop into my radar every every moment of every day sure. uh, fires to put out. But I always try to make sure that I'm giving the the purpose statement before I make the, the ask. Okay. Uh, it's the so, so that we can fill in the blanks. Yeah. I need you to fill in the blanks. And that kind of that feeling permeates through my leadership, uh, the, my colleagues, uh, the, the team that works, works with me here. Um, and we always try to bring it back to that big picture goal, that, that ultimate promise or that, that mission statement of the organization, even if it's a stretch, you know, even if it's yeah. far fetched, we always try to bring that out. And I find that that really, it's motivational. It's a rallying cry. It, it, it allows people to, you know, maybe, uh, maybe excuse the, 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 the downward trends or the, the, the bumps in the road, because we know on the long run, we're, 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 we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Great to hear. Just to help uh, folks kind of connect that to a story. Do you have an example of how your leadership has positively impacted employee engagement and retention at your company that you're comfortable sharing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things in the automotive industry, 
uh, turnover is extremely high. Uh, we, we look at that in the, in the Canadian automotive industry. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Um, and this is no disrespect to uh, national legend Jim Pattison, but I, I, I met somebody actually who works for the, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. And he said that he used to work for, uh, for a Jim Pattison um, uh, auto group uh, division. And I said, oh, how, I said, oh, how long did you work there? And his response was three months at a time. Uh, because in the, uh, in, in the traditional automotive industry, not specifically the Jim Pattison Auto Group, but in the traditional automotive industry, uh, it is 100% sales and performance based. Uh, and if you, if you miss your quarter, you're probably leaving, uh, whether uh, uh, your, your choice or not. Um, and, you know, I, I think we can, we can have a discussion or a debate about the merits of that strategy on business. Uh, and the impacts of that strategy on people's mental health and job stability and family relationships, but that's a different conversation. For me, I try to uh, bring everything back to, you know, here at Lucid, I try to bring it back to the mission. The mission is we are trying to advance the adoption of sustainable transportation globally. Lucid creates a car that is in the luxury segment for sure, but it allows people in that luxury segment to do that. Uh, unfortunately, the luxury segment is the has the lowest electric vehicle adoption of, of, of any segment of the automotive industry across the board, across the country, across the across North America. And so by creating a product like like a Lucid Air that can go this this long and this far and this fast charging all the all the bells and whistles, we're able to make the value proposition of switching over to sustainable energy in the luxury segment a little bit easier. So for my, for my team, going back to your question, um, I, I tie everything back to that mission, the mission to adopt, uh, to increase the adoption of sustainable transportation globally. Uh, and everything that we do, whether it's a, a marketing event uh, or, you know, I'm sending a team member out to Victoria to do a, uh, to meet up with a, a dozen customers uh, for a, for a test drive rally, uh, it's always going back to that ultimate goal. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to say, and, and not to, not to toot my own horn, I'm proud to say that we opened up our Canadian business almost two years ago. The team that I, that sits with me today is the same team that I started with two years ago. Nice. They stay. Uh, I don't think they stay because of me. I think they stay because of the mission. I think they stay because they believe in this product, they believe in the company, they believe in the organization, uh, and that's been fr front and center in their experience as an employee. Yeah, that's uh, happy to hear that. Now, how do you stay ahead of emerging trends and technologies to ensure your team remains innovative and competitive in this fast-growing industry? That is a, a, a great, great question. And actually, a big we, we've been having you know meetings internally about this for the last few weeks about um, knowing, knowing what is out there. Uh, and the, you know, we're, we're, we're a fight, we're a fiscally conscious company. Uh, and so we're always trying to find ways to save money. Um, but at the same time, you, you can't, you can't cut the corners on training on development and on, uh, exactly this, which is, uh, you know, understanding the competition. And so regularly, almost weekly, my team go out, and uh, experience other car companies. Uh, my team has test driven, as have I, pretty much every other electric car that is on the market today. 
Uh, I had the privilege myself of heading down back in January to CES, a consumer electronics show in Las Vegas um, uh, with, with Lucid. Um, and uh, that was the most uh, really rich experience for me to uh, not only meet people from a variety of different industries, but see the emerging technology, to see uh, what else is on, on, um, uh, on the horizon, to see the prototypes, to see the concepts in the automotive space of, okay, well, you know, if, if there's some amazing technology that's allowing a lucid air to go 830 kilometers, well, in a few years, you know, Mercedes is going to have some technology that's going to go 200 more than that. And so how are they able to do that? Asking the right questions and understanding uh, kind of where on the bleeding edge of technology, our product and our kind of our value stands. Um, so I would say personal and professional development is a big uh, it takes a big chunk of our time, especially in customer facing sales. Uh, we need to be customers are cross shopping. So we need to be able to speak to, you know, uh, our product versus the competitor's product. If I don't know the competitor's product, that's a problem. Uh, and, and I won't be able to, to make the comparisons and create the value for that customer. What do you like about your competitors? Which one in particular? Well, up to you. Like, who do you consider uh, some of your more? I saw this quote recently that we should love our competitors because, uh, well, they worded it in a way that I'm not sure I entirely agree with. But um, they said that they help they help us grow where our friends don't. I, I would argue that our friends help us. A true friend does help you grow, but a competitor does help you grow in a different way. So um, I was curious if if you share that sentiment, and if so, like my mind, I'm, I'm not as plugged in as you are, but no pun intended, but I, I'd say uh, like Rivian, uh, Tesla, um, you, you mentioned Mercedes probably at the luxury end, BMW, but I'm curious uh, in your eyes, who, who are your competitors and, and what do you like about what they do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think I think for, for, for Lucid, I mean, being that we're in the, uh, well, there's the obvious answer I'm gonna give you and then I'm gonna give you the, the, the real answer. I think that be, being in the, in the luxury space, um, Lucid, we, we, we do cross shopping and comparisons with Mercedes, Audi, BMW, Porsche in that segment. Um, and, and with respect to their luxury goods. Um, so, you know, Mercedes right now has the Mercedes EQS, which is probably the most comparable if we're looking at, uh, at performance sedans, the most comparable car on the road to a Lucid Air at this moment. What do I like? what this company does. I think Mercedes has the benefit of a hundred years of history. I think they have a brand that is, that is, is uh, compelling. And, you know, we, we meet a lot of people who their first car was a, was a Mercedes and their second car was a Mercedes and their, and their family. It's like, th these are family traditions. Um, and so that has to change. You know, the value proposition for a new brand like Lucid has to change because it's not just, Hey, we're here this is a really cool car. Do you want to drive it? Do you want to buy it? There's an emotional attachment to the brand that they've always bought. And now they're taking a risk on somebody new. And so we have to spend a little bit of time or a long, a long time in a lot of cases, um, kind of easing those anxieties and removing those barriers and those and uncovering the real reason for the objection. Um, I think the, the obvious answer, uh, is Tesla. Now, uh, uh, obviously, there's a lot of comparisons to Tesla. Tesla very quickly, in, in about 12 years, has become the uh, the industry leader, the most profitable car company in the world uh, in a very, very short period of time with an amazing product uh, and has really taken taken the world by storm. Are they on the luxury end? You know, if we're comparing ourselves in that Mercedes, Audi, Porsche world? No, they're not. 
Um, but our customers uh, and, and the general public, uh, that is the first comparison. Uh, you can walk into our showroom and speak to any one of my, my sales staff and they will tell you that uh, um, the question they get every 15 minutes probably is, oh, so this is like a luxury Tesla um, uh, or, or something, some variation of that, of that comment or question. And so I think, you know, Tesla has been extremely successful um, uh, partly because they were the industry leader. They were the first. Uh, uh, they, they, you know, um, revolutionized the world, uh, in, in a lot of different ways, uh, obviously the cars, the charging networks, um, uh, and, uh, and EV adoption across Canada, across the U S as well has really exploded because of that company. Um, so I, so I like a lot of things ab about them. I think the product is, is great. Um, uh, I think that, you know, more recently, uh, they're, they're really kind of engaging in a price war uh, with other manufacturers by cutting their prices and making the, the value of their products so much higher because they are, they're making them much more accessible to the general public. So I, I hope that answers your question, but I think, you know, th there, there's benefits. I mean, I, I, I loved your, your, your quote about um, uh, competitors earlier, and I, I choose personally to think of other organizations less as competitors and more as rivals. Uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned Rivian before. I mean, very different segment. I mean, uh, I would say a very few few of our customers are debating between a luxury performance sedan and a pickup truck. Uh, there's pro there's probably not a lot of of crossover in that Venn diagram. Um, and I think that they've got an amazing product and a, and a great brand, and you know that they they really know their brand um, of the adventure sports kind of you know utility vehicle uh, space. Um, but I, but I look at all these companies as, as, as rivals, I think the benefit of rivalry is that it's a, it's an, it's an infinite process. There's not going to be a winner and a loser. Everyone's just playing to kind of keep the game moving forward. Um, uh, and, and in turn, hopefully making the industry better and doing better things for customers. Yeah. I love that answer. Feel free to take as much time as you like with this next question, but it kind of builds on that. What's something that you would like people to know about Lucid? What's something that I would like people to know about Lucid? I think there is some, at the surface, you can look at this vehicle. You can come into a showroom, you can do a test drive, and you can say, oh, that's a really pretty car. That's a really cool car. What I love about our brand and about our technology and about the fact that our, our, our CEO is an engineer uh, and, and uh, you know that's his background is that this isn't just a pretty face. There is years and, and, you know, millions, if not billions of dollars of research and development that have gone into creating this platform, these motors, the battery cell technology, the, uh, the power distribution, the software, um, uh, that it's not just a pop and fizzle. It's going to be a platform that is going to uh, kind of set the standard for Lucid moving forward. Uh, obviously, from the air sedan that we sell today to the gravity SUV that comes out in 2024 um, to future vehicles um, in a variety of different sizes and applications in, in the years to come. Uh, I think that, you know, very quickly, uh, uh, customers or people who walk into a, a Lucid studio around the world can downplay that and say, oh, OK, yeah, it's a luxury Tesla but not actually understand the engineering. And so one of the things that I like that we do as an organization is we put these technology exhibits in our studio location. So, you know, in our Vancouver Pacific Center location, 
we have a we have the motor, not a model of it, the actual motor on display, and people can touch it and see it and see that each one of those has an, an absolutely mind-boggling amount of power. You can see our battery module. You can see our Wunderbox in, uh, inverter, AC-DC um, uh, inverter. Um, and that, for the, for the tech nerds, for the people who are kind of maybe in that space or curious about that space, that's a, those are inspiring moments. Those are inspiring um, uh, pieces that, that are part of our studio that kind of underlay the foundation of, of, of what we have in the car. That's a very technical, nerdy answer, but uh, that's the one thing that I that I love, um, and I think that uh, it's something that people should know about Lucid. I imagine it starts a lot of interesting conversations with people that walk in the door. Uh, absolutely, a, lo- a lot of people with the motor specifically, uh, they think it's a it's a model and it's not a scale model. Uh, and then when we say no, no, that that's it, that's how big it is, and it can fit in your backpack, be heavy, but it could fit in your backpack. Um, uh, it's kind of mind boggling because you think the you know, the traditional combustion engine takes up the infi- the entire front third of a car. And then here's this thing that is, you know, uh, almost infinitely more powerful and can fit in a, a, a you know, a, a, a carry on luggage. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So pivoting back to the people that make all of this possible, you mentioned employee resource groups in a previous conversation. And I was curious if you could talk at all about how ERGs have contributed to the overall success of your organization and what role they play in fostering an inclusive work environment there. Yeah. So, um, and thanks for, thanks for the question. I think, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, it's it, my, my, my day job, obviously at Lucid is, is, uh, in this particular role as a market manager. Um, but my additional role is as the president of our pride at Lucid employee resource group, um, which whose mission is really to, to make, uh, uh, Lucid a, a more inclusive and, and ultimately better place to work for, um, at least in our case, folks in the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, the, it, I think in any organization, employee resource groups play a, a pivotal role in that, in building that sense of community, uh, especially in this world now post COVID where there's still a lot of hybrid work going on. A lot of people are working remote and that sense of isolation, um, can definitely be felt. You know, I think about my time working at Apple and you know, this is, you, you can feel that you're one of 120,000 employees around the world and, and you can feel pretty insignificant, um, at times and definitely during COVID, uh, and post COVID that isolation was there for sure. So we want to, um, uh, create a space that allows employees to be themselves, to uh, network, to uh, mingle, kind of going back to our, our the initial point about uh, finding these, finding mentors, finding connections, mm-hmm. uh, just picking the brain of somebody in a different department. I think about our Pride at Lucid members and we have uh, members from, you know, retail and sales and delivery and, and service all around the world. Then we also have people who work in software and payroll and uh, um, hardware engineering and powertrain controls. Uh, and the some of the, the meetings that we have, whether it's virtual, uh, over Zoom, or in person, uh, the conversations kind of go everywhere. And it's really just people connecting. Um, and so there's, mm-hmm. there's an intrinsic value in that for employee satisfaction, for employee productivity, engagement in, in you know uh, satisfaction in terms of view of the company For, furthermore i also say that ergs have an impact on the business you know one of the things that, that we're really really proud of at lucid um, and it came from a, a recommendation from one of our our pride at lucid members 
is that uh, we made the we we got approved last year uh, that all future Lucid buildings were going to have gender neutral washrooms. Uh, it's a small thing, uh, but for some people, that's a very important thing. Uh, and so we undertook a, a big project at our headquarters down in California um, and retrofitted a number of our spaces around the world to make sure that we have gender inclusive uh, restrooms and a commitment by our retail development team to uh, ensure that we have gender neutral restrooms in all future Lucid buildings um, moving forward. So it was a pretty big win and it came from a, a, a Zoom call that we had with our Pride at Lucid members and somebody said, hey, I don't feel comfortable in the service center I work at um, because of this reason. And uh, we, you know, uh, we, we made it happen. So um, th there's there's business impact and then there's also impact back on the community of those employees uh, to create inclusivity and and, um, and a safe space. I see. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I uh, recently spoke with one of our uh, speakers, uh, one of our roundtable guests at um, our Engaged Leadership Program, uh, Martin Tiboto, the regional president of uh, British Columbia uh, for RBC Royal Bank. And he was talking about RBC's, uh, of course, it's a huge organization, but their uh, pivot and adaptation to the pandemic. Uh, they started this initiative called Listening Circles, where you'd have like 4,000 employees in British Columbia, basically all having a voice. He was saying how it was just amazing to him how many resources there were there that uh, you might not know otherwise, how it, it kind of instilled this inclusive environment that even though the pandemic, fingers crossed, behind us or we're on our way out, he still wants to keep that as part of the organization moving forward. Um, and I was curious, are you seeing a similar kind of engagement with uh, with your staff, with your colleagues, uh, having this uh, ERG initiative? Very much so. I think that um, you know, there's definitely, and you know, there's been a lot of uh, articles and, and talks about kind of the uh, the democratization of of the corporate space. Um, but I think that it's important for employees, regardless of where they work and and um, the level of the organization that they're at to have a voice uh, in the future of the organization and specifically in the things that matter to them, whether it's the space that they work in, the office, the technology they have, or the programs and benefits that are available to them. Uh, and so, you know, in, in the Pride group, and I can speak on behalf of my colleagues from the other ERGs that we have at Lucid, women at Lucid, black at Lucid, Latinos at Lucid, and veterans at Lucid, um, uh, we, you know, we, we always try and create these spaces um, and these conversations where people can feel free to say, this is an issue that's, that's impacting me. And we can just listen. I don't necessarily have the solution. I'm not an executive with the organization. I don't have the power to snap my fingers and say, this is a new program that we're going to be doing. Um, but I do have the ear of our executive sponsor for Pride at Lucid. Um, and uh, I can, you know, take those, uh, those suggestions and those ideas and requests um, and kind of run them up the flagpole, as it were, um, to, to, to make sure that we are doing everything in our power, um, bit by bit with re with, you know, reasonable expectations, uh, that we are, um, creating a, a more inclusive and safe space. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for your time. Um, I was just, uh, is there anything that you'd like to, uh, have the listeners know about or, or is there a place they can follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, people can follow me on, on LinkedIn. It's Adam McLeod. Uh, so just search me up. You'll find me there. Follow me, connect with me. I'm happy to chat. Um, and always happy to, uh, to sit down with folks and, and talk about uh, cars, talk about technology, talk about leadership. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always uh, 
I will always make myself available if someone's looking for uh, uh, for for an ear. Um, and then I guess the last thing is just my shameless plug. Uh, the car that we sell is pretty cool. Um, and so if anyone wants, uh, any of your listeners or your readers want to uh, come in for a, uh, a drive, driving experience or a test drive, um, uh, do that. Uh, head to your local Lucid studio. If you're here in Vancouver, uh, we're at Pacific Center in West Georgia um, and, and drive this car. Uh, there is really nothing like it. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Adam. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Podcast. New episodes go out Monday mornings. Next week's guest is Mark Sinatra, a Wharton graduate, CEO of Aspen HR, and a search fund investor. If you're interested in alternative investments and entrepreneurship, be sure to tune in. Until then, eyes on the horizon. Eyes on the horizon.